Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Hi, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're thrilled to bits to have with us uh, a chap that we met and had a, a very enjoyable chat with at a gig in Manchester a few months ago. He happens to be an extremely talented multi-instrumentalist, um, a prolific songwriter, a very famous coverer of acoustic tunes, many of which are timeless classics. But I'd like to start off by looking at Paul's association with 10CC in the Graham Goldman era, sometime lead vocalist of 10CC and frequent supporter of Graham, both as the 10CC band and Graham Goldman's solo songwriting gigs. We welcome to the podcast today, Mr. Paul Canning. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Paul. Yeah. How, <laughs> how are you doing, Paul? Are you okay? Are you busy yeah, at the good. moment? Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, in a month's time, I'm doing exactly what you said and supporting 10CC on their UK tour. Um, so I'm getting ready for that, doing a bit of writing for something or another. And uh, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, everything you said I'm doing, I'm recording acoustic covers, uh, watching a lot of telly. I, I, you didn't say that, but I'm, I'm doing that as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping myself busy. Fantastic. And uh, we can't wait to, to delve into your, your newest album, uh, which came out just, what, a couple of months ago? Uh, yeah, in November. Yes. Um, and uh, really been enjoying listening to that one oh, uh, great. over, over the past you. couple of weeks. And uh, we, we will give you the, the characteristic forensic treatment on that, Paul. So be, be afraid. No, be my guest. It's okay. <laughs> but first off, I mean, we, we have to ask about your association with, with 10CC. And obviously, we, we'd love to know how you and Graham crossed paths originally. But let, okay. let's go back in time a little bit further. Were you and have you always been like us, a, a massive fan of the band? In all honesty, I was a fan, a, a, a fan of their hits. You know, I knew the hit records, Dreadlock Holiday, I'm Not In Love, Things We Do For Love, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, most people. Um, Ian Hornell, who is the singer of the band currently, and um, Ian Hornell and I have known each other for, well, since 2010. And uh, he was in a show I did with him. It was Beatles show, Let It Be, in the West End. He was a McCartney and I was a Lennon. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we knew each other through that. He got me that gig. He sort of put me forward for it. And then he put me forward for this. So I own quite a lot of commission, to be honest. James, John, Paul and Luke, otherwise known as Paul, John, George and Ringo, the Beatles are here. Good to see you guys. Well, How are you? See you. It's Planet Paul at the moment. We've just had two chats with Paul Burgess. 
Like, There's too many pools. Yeah. When I was doing Let It Be in London, there was I was John who was Paul. No, I was Paul who was John. There was a Paul who was a George, and there was a John who was a George. <laughs> it was all very oh. sounds quite sounds quite biblical, doesn't it? Yeah, Simon yeah. Peter. Yeah. Well, it's close to it, I guess, with that music. But, um, yeah. Thanks God. For, thank God for Ringo. Thank so, God for Ringo. <laughs> was there any Richards? No, no Richards. Just so. Just, uh, you were playing. Sorry, you were playing Paul. Is that right? I was playing John. You were playing John. I beg your pardon. Yeah, wow. exactly. see, it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was that then? A sort of a play, a musical production. It was a musical. It was in the West End, and it toured the UK a few times, and went to Japan and um, Europe and everything. It was a West End show called Let It Be, and uh, wow, it was uh, it was on at the. Um, the Prince of Wales Theatre, and then it went to the Savoy Theatre, and then it went to the Garrick, and uh, yeah, they, and it went to Broadway as well. Wow! And and what was it a, a depiction of the Let It Be sessions, or did it have a wider remit? It was just called Let It Be. It was from um, it started at the Cavern, and oh, okay. all the way through to the, a rooftop gig, and then Hey Jude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, there was uh, we'd start off and they'd have this really good set and it like they'd have a gauze in front and it made it look like the cavern and you'd be there in like a waistcoat and black tie and white shirt and playing. Saw us yeah. standing there and it won't be long and all that stuff and then it went all the way through. Hard Day's Night, Sergeant Pepper's. Uh, we did an acoustic set, which was great, and then uh, Abbey Road and then yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Wow, so, oh, and, wow. and sort of dramatized as well. No, there was no acting. It wasn't like, I'm leaving the band, Paul, or anything like that. It was kind of like, uh, you just, it was a, a, a musical, it was a gig, basically, but you wore right. costumes, yeah. had loads of lights, and there was a few bits of dialogue in between, like talking to the audience, or this next song was written at the end of a very long road in Scotland, and, and featured Eric Clapton or whatever, in Wild yes. all that yeah. sort of stuff. And there was a bit, and you spoke in the accent and all that, that you were in <laughs> character, but it wasn't dramatised in terms of like, you know, hi, I'm John, hi, I'm Paul. Uh, yeah. 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 Thank God, because it would have been a bit rubbish. Yeah. Well... Difficult to pull off, yes, to exactly. say the least. I mean, just witness all the kind of movies that have been made about the Beatles. and Yeah, they always seem to do like, <clears throat> like Hamburg and the early stuff. I'd like them to do one sort of like at the height of Beatlemania or something. But... Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, um, Peter Jackson's film kind of uh, scuppers all of that now. What, what have oh, you, what, man. What have you made just... of Get Back? Is, isn't it amazing? It was fantastic because, to be honest, after Let It Be, and I did 337 shows of Let It Be, wow. and that's singing She Loves You 337 times, yeah. um, as well as all those, uh, and which, of course, it's wonderful, and it was like, the best job ever. It was like being a, a, you know, a kid in a sweet shop. But mm -hmm. um, after that, I kind of needed a bit of a break from the Beatles, like a bit yeah. beetled out. Yeah. And it wasn't so much them, the four of them, it was everything around it. And uh, you know, people going, John! No, I'm not John. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit weird at times, but it was wonderful. But yeah, so I needed a bit of a break. Get Back took me, it just took me back to when I was a teenager and fell in love with the band. Sure. You know, so I, I was watching it and just mm -hmm. enjoying every set. It was so good. Yes. And uh, I watched McCartney 321 just before that. Have you seen that? Yes, I have, yeah. No, I, I've yeah. not seen that. Oh, man, you've got to watch it. It's great. It's just him and Rick Rubin, and they're dissecting some recordings and talking about stuff. It's great. And, and oh. they dissect songs that aren't so obvious, like Another Girl 
and um, uh, and your bird can sing. I think just it's really good. Watch it on Apple TV, I believe. But Get Back was yeah fantastic. It was done so well. There yeah. were so many beautiful bit. The bit where you could hear John and Paul talking and the microphones in the plant pot and yes. It's like a private yeah. conversation and all yeah. this. Oh, so good. And the get back arriving from the ether. Just, yeah, you yeah, just a, watch a him minute of genius. It. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's just he's sitting there on a base as well. Yes. Ian Hornell plays uh, with ELO, and uh, they had a um, they had a tour coming up, which uh, collided with uh, 10CC UK tour in 2018. Now, we'd already supported uh, 10CC in 2017, just for five or six gigs on the UK tour, as Ian had to go away then. He was supporting at the time, and Mick Wilson was the singer. Um, so I met them. Uh, briefly there and you know they were all very nice uh, but I only really got to know Graham and the guys in 2018 so what happened was um, Ian said Graham's heard your stuff um, I did an acoustic cover of Wouldn't It Be Nice with all the harmonies and yeah I was, I was listening to that yesterday fantastic and you nailed the harmonies may I say oh thank you yeah well it was I actually sang it half a step down it was a bit high like he's you know he's <laughs> Not in the exact key. We, um, Paul, uh, confession time. Uh, we we do our. I'm in a Beach Boys tribute band. We we do ours three steps down. So oh, right. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like what? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. So it's yeah. sort of. Maybe if we think and wish and hope and pray, it might come true. Run, run, Maybe then there wouldn't be a single thing we wouldn't. So uh, that's the beauty of doing it on your own. You can just put it in whatever key you want. So I did that, and he'd heard a few of my my songs. God, it's snowing. Uh, heard a few of my songs, and um, it, what, I spoke to Graham on the phone, and he sent over two backing tracks. One was the Wall Street Shuffle, and the second one was uh, I'm Not in Love. Mm. And uh, I recorded them at home, sent them to him, and he phoned me up the next day and said, yeah, let's, let's do it. I was like, okay. Oh wow! Right. So, Dream gig. Yeah, so that was the audition process. So you put what? Just a lead vocal or sets of vocals? Or, or just a lead vocal. Just okay. a lead vocal. And uh, he said, "What I want to do is we've got a gig out in Amsterdam. This was in uh, spring 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, I want you to fly out and just sort of meet everyone properly, watch the gig, you know, hang out a bit, which yeah. I did, which was great." Um, Rick had the flu. I remember that he was he was not well. But <laughs> apart from that, it was. Uh, I, and I did one song with him in soundcheck. I did um, the Dean and I. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> which a, was great. But uh, a, I didn't do it very well, to be honest. Well, it's, well, a, it's, it's a, a tough, tough one. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know what? In for a penny, I'll go for it. And then I really wish I'd just picked an easier one because I just sounded awful. But it was. I was dead nervous. As it was just. But they were all so nice and really cool. And I remember listening to the song, watching the set, listening to the song, feel the benefit. I was just like, how am I going to learn that? Because, right. you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to do on it. Um, you play the piano, the acoustic, 
the shakers, a bit of timpani. I didn't play the timpani in the end. Um, yeah. it's, there was a lot going on. So we, you were, but, so you were doing the full Eric Stewart role on that tune. Then it, it, were you playing mm-hmm. the the electric piano? Yes, yeah, playing oh, the wow. piano on it. Yeah, um, which I mean, once you get it in your bones and you play it, it's a beautiful thing to play. But when you first yeah. hear it and it's twelve thirty minutes long, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> My God! Luckily, I had seven months to learn the set before the tour started, so um, yeah, it was it was it wasn't too bad. I had time; that was the one blessing. And I just would be wherever I was, listening to 10CC all the time. M- me and my girlfriend, we were just like walking around, going, "Hey, kid, let me tell you, life is a <laughs> all the time." Wow! And uh, yeah, it, it drove you nuts, but wonderful it was such a great experience to learn it and then to tour it um I, I had we had two days rehearsal before the tour started actually the first gig i did was in the summer of um 2018 that was in norway at some uh, like a festival and it was the hottest day of the year in norway it was boiling hot really mm. beautiful evening there's like a big church tower and the sun coming down and I played that gig with them. And the first thing, the first uh, one we did, we do the Wall Street Shuffle first, and then we move on to Art for Art's Sake. And I move over to like the percussion. And the first thing I did was I, you have to go, shh, you're on the cymbal. And I did that, and the cymbal went, <laughs> fell off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> good start yeah. but, uh, it, it they, was alright they hadn't done that deliberately have they like sending you out for a long wait or stripe paint or one of those yeah. things they do for the <laughs> glass hammer yeah <laughs> uh, but it, we, it, that happens in festivals you know because they kind of just have to throw everything up on the yeah. stage and, you know it's it's okay um, but no it was great and uh, I just when you do I'm not in love I know it's an obvious one but you know, you think you're thinking, I'm singing, I'm not in love with 10cc. That's yes. cool. And you can see everybody get their phones out and put their arms around each other and oh. all that stuff. It's always a nice moment. Um, not, it's not my favorite one to do, to be honest. It's, it's obviously it's favorite in terms of it's iconic. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I like doing, um, I'm Mandy Fly Me oh. and uh, the Dean and I, I like doing. Yes. You, the more complex ones. But, yeah, just it's just yeah, and I, I like playing acoustic guitar and singing anyway with the Dean and I. I like doing that generally in life. Yeah, but sure. um, uh, my Mandy Fly Me, I just really like that song, and I really like Eric's vocal on it. It's actually a tricky song to sing. It really yeah. is. I, I I've got that uh, unlucky job in our ten uh, CC tribute, um, Paul. Mm-hmm. That I, I was telling you about fifty CC, uh, and yeah. Mandy's by far the most challenging for me vocally. Yeah, it's hard because it's right on the cusp of you feel like you're going. Yeah, yeah, I'm literally, I'm yodeling. Um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Uh, there's a bit. The, the what is it? Oh, the, there's the, the, the middle eight where he goes. You let me, you fed me rabbit like a book, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, trying to, for, I'm trying to force this piss weak falsetto out. Yeah, no, 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 I'm doing that in chest, and it's. Take me away. Then you get a little bit of a breaker. Though I was spinning like a boy. <sighs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then, of course, you've got that middle eight to come, which I, yeah. I, I love playing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the world's greatest guitarist. It took me a while to get that. Difficult, but um, fun. Yeah. yeah, I think I was playing it wrong, and I got to <laughs> rehearsal. And no, that's the. I went, oh, right. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so it sounds like you had the, the lion's share of, of the lead vocals. Were you doing everything that Graham wouldn't normally sing lead on? Yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, if you've seen um, Tensies, obviously you've seen them live, but you've seen Mick and Ian do it. I was doing everything that they did. So, so you've got to be Lol and Eric and Kevin, presumably, which is which, which is interesting. Yeah. Did Graham does Graham ever give you any direction about how to sing or how to phrase, or does he kind of trust your judgment, having? having selected you as the singer? Uh, yeah, he does. He, he trusts you, Joe. There are certain things they do in the gig that are different to the record. Right. Like just tiny little nuances, like they might push a bit here, and I've been listening to the record, so I'll go into rehearsal and I'll sing it like the record, mm-hmm. and then just, oh, nothing will be said. I'll, I'll go mould into what they're doing, because it's they're, they're doing it and they, they know they've done it a thousand times. So rather than me say, oh, actually, the record, <laughs> and they all get <laughs> <Yeah>. around me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The other way around. So And you, you do tend to do that when you play live. You have little ways of doing stuff. Just It's a live version or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there was there was, uh, there was was one little bit I, I did put in, which was the, uh, hello, Plato, in... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Minnesota. And I think yeah. sort of Graham like, looked over and laughed. Because, uh, <laughs> I don't think it had been in there before, and now it's, it's in there. But, um, oh, <laughs> because I just stood that bit, and you yes. sort of do it at the you know, oh well, like it's a bit in the background, so. and he was like that, and uh, yeah, it, it was so much fun to play. And Clockwork Creep was another great one. Um, you had to play the mandolin on that, just a little meanwhile in the da 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 that bit, and uh, yeah, I got to be I was Eric's part in that. What was I, the bomb or the plane? I think he's the captain, isn't he? The captain. Yeah, of the, is, uh, is he the plane? Is he the so plane, Rick would Eric? Sing that. I'm a clockwork creep. Yeah, then I'll go, I'm a jumbo jet. Yeah, I was a jumbo jet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a jumbo jet with a brand new set. That's it. Passengers so, and bags and crew. Yeah. So what about the uh, the oohs and ahs when there's either a three or four part? Um, who 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 does what? Are you on the top? Because Rick's in there as well. And Yeah, Rick um, does a lot of the falsetto stuff. Um, okay, right. but it can vary. It varies from song to song. Also, if they're busy playing or yes. work around that. But what happened was they they sent me a recording of um, Mick doing a show, mm. and yes. they had his vocal turned right up and everyone's turned right down. So I learned what he did. Basically, ah, right, great stuff. Yeah. So it it wasn't like a transition of like they're like, why are you doing that harmony? I just learned <laughs> verbatim what he did. <laughs> Apart from sometimes little pushes and nuances that the yeah, band yeah. had, but um, yeah, it was it was it's just to watch it. I mean, Ian is so good. You watch him do it, and his tuning is so good, and uh, it is quite daunting when you're watching it, thinking, oh, "I'm going to do that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And but when you do it, and the first gig I did was in High Wycombe, uh, and it, it uh, the morning of the gig, right? It was uh, my back went. Oh. I got out of bed and just went, oh, right. Really? <laughs> right, so I took a few codeine and I was a bit like um zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's gonna be all right. You know, yeah, a bit chilled by that point. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing the gig and I'm thinking, this seems fast. No, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a little <laughs> on opioids, uh, but and but it went fine and it was it was good. They're all so good. Like Keith Heyman, who plays the keys. Yeah. He's great. He invited me down to his house um over the summer. He set everything up. Dave Cobby brought everything over. The tour manager set everything up. 
and uh, you rehearsed in. I mean, they were so accommodating. It was just like great. Uh, honestly, so good. One day, da- Graham came down, and he sat on the sofa, and I'm like, right, I'll perform the set then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but he was fine. You know, you, you don't feel. And I've really got to know Graham really well, um, especially um, in the last few years. Yes, and supporting him on his Heartful of Songs tour as well, because they let me come and uh, travel with them in the bus. So you all hang out. Oh, great fun. Yeah, and you spend more time off the stage than on it. So Yeah, yeah. of course. Oh, that's it's fantastic. Great. So can you see yourself stepping into Ian's shoes again, Paul? It's only a case of if Ian isn't available. Like, sure. I, I would happily do it, of course, but it's, it's his thing. So um, there, if, if ELO ever tour again or Ian gets the lead role in Die Hard 6 <laughs> then yeah of course I'd love to do it but um, yeah I wouldn't it's it's his thing and he's excellent at it I've got a lot of respect for Ian as a musician yeah he's taught me a lot give me a sign write it in the sky say the word say the word okay, it's, fa- it's fascinating that the two of you came together uh, vo- second hand but via the Beatles it's almost like your version of Paul and John meeting at Walton Village Fate isn't it well so, yeah you can do it because I was in a band and we knew a guy and we needed a bass player and he said I know this guy Ian Hornell and I, he got him along and he was in the band I was in for a few months and then they all split up as they do and then we stayed in touch and Ian said look I've got wedding function bands um, yeah. come and do that and so I did that for a few years and uh, then Let It Be came along Ian said <laughs> They're looking for John Lennon's. Come and do that. And then 10CC said, they're looking for another. Come and do that. So I was like, yeah, Ian, stop. <laughs> uh, you know, he kept getting me all these awesome jobs. So, yeah, he's cool. No, oh, fantastic. That's nice. But um, uh, moving on slightly, I mean, Paul and I really enjoyed your acoustic set, Paul. Yeah, of, it was a of, nice of venue. Heartful of songs, yeah. Mm. And uh, it was really, really lovely. And I'd, I'd not seen you perform before. Mm. Um, I remember chatting with you afterwards and just commenting on on uh, how much I loved the sort of trickery and tomfoolery in the, in your songwriting and your playing. Yeah. We'd mm. really like to hear more about your musicianship and, and your songwriting. Let's go back yeah. in time a little bit to where you sort of formed as a musician. I hear lots of things in your music, um, most of which are probably me being completely off target. But I hear no, okay. people like Harry Nilsson. I mm. hear bits of, of Andrew Gold. I hear sort of more Americana. Yeah, I, I really like America. Rocky Elton John sort of style stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'd love to know what, uh, what inspired you and how you developed as a musician. Did you start on the guitar? Um, yeah, pretty much. When I was 14, I w- had long hair down to here. <laughs> and um, this was in like 1993. Um, and I loved Guns N' Roses. Mm. And just that made me want to pick up a guitar and play the guitar, which quickly moved. I sort of was really into rock music and that sort of thing. And it quickly moved on to the Beatles around 95. And I just became obsessed with the Beatles. And and just sitting listening to them for hours and hours and learning how to play the guitar through them um, 
it's 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 a school in itself you know you, it's like um when i was a kid i was in the church choir and you, without knowing it i guess you're learning to sing harmonies yes without knowing it you know so it was the same sort of thing but a, a labor of love and um I was in bands and various things and we had record deals and in and out or that sort of thing in the late nineties, early two thousands, never really panned out, but you know, that's the way of it. You were signed to Virgin, weren't you, at some stage? Well signed to Virgin, yeah. I was in a band called Tomcat and we were there's like four of us and we supported Mel C from the Spice Girls oh, on our no, UK yeah. tour. <clears throat> and that was a big deal in two thousand because she was in the Spice Girls and it was great and and it was awesome. And then formed another band a few years later. Didn't quite work out. And really, there was a there was a guy in the band, and he wrote most of the songs. And I would sort of just help a little bit. I wasn't so much as a prolific songwriter. And then it was only really when um, the band sort of split up, and I just went out on my own. And I. I you spend a lot of time in bands going, we need to write a song like this guy's doing over here, or we need to do that. And I just thought, screw it, I'm just going to do what I like. And um, I don't care if it's current or I don't care if people don't like it or mm. whatever. I just want to do what I like and what I enjoy because uh, people can hear that as well if, if it's honest. And if you write about what means a lot to you, then they can hear that. I want a birthday cake and visibility. I want to cry myself to sleep because I'm lonely. So I had this song called Kid that I wrote and it happened very quickly. And that was kind of the first one that I'd, I mean, I'd written songs before, but it was nothing to write home about. But but the, this one was a good one. And I thought that's, that's good. And I, I finally got the courage to go and record a few. And then um, by 2018, I'm really zipping through it. I just sort of like wrote an album, recorded it at home and with a little help from my friends. Hmm. And then, um, the next year did another album then another album and you know it would just went on from there and built up and I, along the way picked up people who could produce it or play on it or these a guy called paul stewart who's the drummer for the feeling he played on on on, on the last two albums okay and he's fantastic and he, what a great drummer and again these are all through ian you know this music got joe webb who's in elo now he produces the albums he produces ian's stuff and um, it's just you get in that circle of people. Mm-hmm. There's so many. We, we Ian did a gig last year, last summer, and we all met up. It was like the first time after lockdown, and you're just surrounded by so many talented musicians. Honest to God, you just like this guy. They can multi, they're multi instrumentalists, and in all honesty, I feel like I'm blagging it. To be honest, I just sort of <laughs> learn the part and go right. I've learned that part. I, they can sit down and go, well, that's the pentatonic of the form. I'm like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but in in a way, I think of that in songwriting. It's kind of a bit of a blessing because I think my like the knowledge of it might get in my way. Uh, there's almost uh, a childlike innocence to some chord progressions that that just make it simple, and simple is difficult sometimes. Yeah. told me in Manchester, I was commenting on on Kid, I think it was, which is oh, okay. my favourite of the songs that you played at, at, yeah. at that show. There was mm. something extremely charming and, and, and quirky and unusual about it. And I asked you about, about your, your choice of chords and how much I enjoyed it. And you more or less said that you just kind of throw any old shit down. <laughs> is, is that fair? 
Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, that one kind of fell from the sky. So like yeah. it, that, that kid, the chords for that, I wrote it on the piano and the chords for that came about by my ineptitude, that word, <laughs> yes. on the piano. Yeah. Um, so playing it wrong, yeah, like yeah. going, bling, oh, okay. And thinking that sounds quite nice. And I don't know if it's a correct chord or what it is. I don't even know the name of it. But I it doesn't matter, know. does it? No, it just sounds nice. And uh, Yeah, I've got a theory about that. In it, Not that song specifically, but when you go to an instrument that you're not familiar with, you're not self-conscious about following uh, a pattern that you know better on another instrument. And you've, you, you often find yourself coming back to, you know, you're sort of drawn by the gravitational pull back into a logical pattern, but, but you kind of don't know what it is. You know, it's only after. And it works. It's just it's what sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's great working on an instrument that you're not... Yeah, piano's good because you might be familiar with some keys, but not with other keys. So you you know you don't you don't know what you're doing, but it still it still works out. Yeah, so. I'm going to put a black key in that one. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love I love the fact, Paul, that with with your stuff, and I, I, I when I say your stuff, I'm I'm familiar now with with four albums. Um, yeah. I love the, the the dynamic between very guitar led tunes and yeah. and very piano led tunes. Yeah, well, uh, that is that's you playing. Uh, guitar and piano on those I take it yeah mainly rhythm guitar I mean I did play on the first album I did I played a bit of lead but I'm not a great lead guitarist um, so Joe Webb uh, he plays a lot of lead guitar but he's honestly just it's annoying how good he is uh, <laughs> he picks something up blah, 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 blah. great uh, and he's yeah he plays a lot I played quite a bit of piano on it but I'm not a pianist I'm just hammering away at the piano and mm-hmm. it sounds okay you yes. know yeah. Uh, not that I'm ever in the same bracket, but I took a lot of inspiration from Lennon. You know, he's yeah. Imagine is one of the most famous songs of all time, and he's playing it like a, you know, grade one piano. You mm. know, but yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Yes. So it doesn't have to be Rimsky Korsakov. It can just be fun and quite simple to play. Yeah. Simplicity is key sometimes, I think. You can overcomplicate stuff. And hanging around with uh, the 10cc lads you you've you, you do get inspired i wrote a song on um my second album jiggery pokery and it was called the no hitter and it was oh, about I love that one that's the oh, that's an epic kind of band on the run isn't it yeah yeah that's pretty much it's a story of a baseball player and it's a true story he he had to go and play a match and he was off off his head on acid <laughs> and uh, he threw what's called a no hitter which was a perfect game like he didn't give away any I don't know something to do so I wrote a song about it I took the story and wrote a song about it so it, and it went inspired by 10cc and the Beatles and Wings and that sort of thing yeah. of starting it, one it, way it, moving to uh, another you've hit the target I, I can tell you yeah, that yeah, yeah fantastic was, yeah. where's the girl leaning over the rails with a pretty little patch of three she got her eye on the prize with the record books calling calling out for me you go baby now fly through the air like gold you know yourself you gotta know no going no it was that sort of thing so um yeah that, I, I enjoyed that because it's but and then sometimes you just gotta write a three minute piano ballad 
which is it's just where however it comes out you know and that's that's yeah. the fun bit that's the bit i like about it is uh you write a song and there aren't any rules to it sometimes there are if a record company's involved you know you get a record and they want they want it to sound like this or yeah. do it like her or this and it's quite restrictive yeah. um but if if you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do it's beautiful it's a playground no that's it and your your stuff is so eclectic isn't it you can you can sense um, an artist really having fun with their favourite influences, their their pet sounds, yeah. for want of a better phrase. You know, you'll do, you'll come on all Axl Rose for the first number, and then yeah. suddenly you'll be Gilbert O'Sullivan, and it's marvellous. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. Well, yeah, it's it's it's. Um, I lo- why not? I mean, yeah, I'm definitely a pastiche songwriter as well. I'll hear a, I'll be listening to a Billy Joel album. And think I want to write a song like Billy Joel. Yeah. So I'll try and do it. You know, um, and and it's whoever you're surrounded by will influence you. Graham said to me years ago when I first met him, we were talking about songwriting, and he said, uh, "Inspiration loves to find you working." That's what he said. Hmm. And he's right. He is. If you're sort of chugging away at it and always thinking about it and surrounding yourself in that place you know where you're you feel influenced or you feel like oh, i feel like right or doing something then it kind of flows out of you if you're in a place which that's restrictive you have to work a bit harder um i spent a few years working in an office hmm. and it wasn't that influential there were you know the, the creative juices weren't really flowing there <laughs> because for me because i felt like oh my head's in admin at the moment. Yes. But when you surround yourself with loads of songwriters and musicians, you feel more inclined to do something about it. Now I feel so underrated And I can't go back to the job I hated You sold me down the river But I never want to let you go whether it was long time gone or history it was a, but there's a lyric couplet I pulled out here I feel so underrated I can't go back to the job I hated yeah I, I wonder whether you're talking about that job in the office it was yeah I thought it might be <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was uh, being it's about being in a band that song uh, and touring and uh, let's go go live in a van and we, you know all that it's just about the experience of being in a band and I think the first verse was it's all going really well and the second verse is I feel so uninspired my body aches and my head is tired. And mm-hmm. It's how it usually works for most bands. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to make it. And it's all gone wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was a good spot. Cheekily, it reminded me of what's it called? With you tonight, in excess. What was their great? Oh, I need you tonight. I need you oh, tonight. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me a bit. There's some lovely funky 
guitar licks going on. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, and, and so apart from that sort of the ups and downs of touring, you've got the sort of sex, drugs and rock and roll flavour in that tune as well, which, I, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. which made me smile. Well, yeah, well, rock and roll anyway. Yeah. The rest was <laughs> Who plays bass on the on your albums or the majority of bass? Because it really punches you and it cuts through. Is that you? Yeah. I uh, plays. Uh, I, I played it on the first album, and I'm not again. I'm not. I'm a not a bass player. I, I like yeah. it, and, but yeah, yeah. Joe Joe makes it. Ian played on a song called "Love Came at the Right Time." He played bass on that. Right. Uh, which is on Bandwagon, and Graham Goldman played on a song called The Loud Room. Yeah, he sings a, a, a part of the lead vocal, doesn't he, on that one? Yeah, it was like a duet, and uh, he played bass on that. He sent me three bass tracks, two on a uh, Fender and one on a Ricky. Mm. And I think we used the Ricky one. Mm. Um, and uh, and he sang it as well. Great. Yeah, was that a co-write or your song? It was my song, and I said, "Would you like to play on it and sing on it?" And he, he went, "Yeah, all right." Oh, so, yeah. fantastic! And I wish I could have told you the worst of it is over, and everything will be all right. Over the days when you were trying to make it disappear in the night. A raw vocal from Graham. It's quite nice. It's got a few. The edges haven't been knocked off, and I quite like that. It's got like a kind. Yeah, that's good though, isn't it? It's nice to hear him like that. Yeah, it's it's it's. Um, yeah, he didn't. He sent it over, and it, I thought sounds good. I quite like the little nuances of. I, I think music today offers too much perfection in terms of auto-tuning yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Not that he was out of tune, but yeah. I like the little cracks in the voice and all that sort of stuff. It's human, and. Uh, so we kept that in. Plus, if I sing out of tune, it's just an excuse. I can just... <laughs> I like that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I really like that tune, Paul, and it, um, it it sort of sums up, in a way, part of what I've really enjoyed about your music. Um, I prefer the, the quieter, more thoughtful, fragile ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, after, after your rocky tunes, you'll have a, usually a couple of rocky tunes, there's always just something really quite sparse and raw yeah, yeah. and very very fragile um and i think that's i think that's a wonderful quality oh well, thanks i think it's nice to have on an album is some light and shade and yeah you want a bit of fragility because we're all a bit fragile in our own way yeah I mean, especially <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know you want to and also it's easier to be relatable if you're singing about something fragile especially if it's negative because people kind of relate more to negativity in a weird way. If you're singing about pain and suffering and not really dark, but like, you know, mm. people are like, yeah, but if, and oh, but if you're singing about being in love and you're pouring your heart out, they can relate to that as well. If you're just telling a quirky story and it's fun, they, they might like it, but ultimately people want to hear something that they get. That's what they got with that song kid because the lyrics were so simple mm. You know, I want, I want a birthday cake, I want a, you know, it's very simple and you can picture it, it's quite easy. The instrumentation often adds to that, that feeling of honesty and fragility. I mean, I, you have a, a couple of tunes with a theremin on, don't you? 
there's um, one, the perfect host. Um, someone's having fun with a the theremin there, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, that's a, no, that's just a, a thing I played on. Yeah, I guess it is a theremin. I don't actually know the name of it, but it was a plug-in on, on oh, uh, Logic. Oh, was it? Right. Yeah, and I just played it on there. I did it all. And sort of, well, there's a song called 100 Years I Had, and I just got the top of a, a shaker just <laughs> because the Beatles did it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they, did, they did all that sort of stuff. There's so many songs we, you know, there's a on um, Sergeant Pepper's. They're doing, it's like, I think it's Lovely Rita or something like. They're playing like a through a through a comb and all this. The comb and paper, yeah, yes, yes. yeah. Just, no, I think it's Lovely Rita. I might be wrong. Uh, no, but, I think I think you're right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, all that sort of stuff. And and why not? Because it should be fun. And you know, sometimes. Mother half will come and she'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I've got like a duck and a, something weird. But yeah, fragility is definitely, um, that's what uh, people can relate to the most and being in love, I think. Yes, and, and that reminds me, of, there's a lovely line um, from uh, Together, from the, from the Bandwagon album. Oh, yeah. Uh, your album from a couple of years ago. Lovely tenderness in, in the piano and the strings there. But... Uh, Check this out for a line, Paul. I'm not sure if you clocked this one. I'm George Bailey at the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a wonderful line. Yeah, oh, I, I didn't, fabulous. I didn't actually. I'm, I'm afraid I'm it. Who is George Bailey? Because he, he's the hero of the best Christmas film of all time. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely the best black and white one. Yeah. Oh, the, the the protagonist of It's a Wonderful Life, yes. Jimmy Stewart, in other words. Yes, oh, yes. Jimmy Sorry. Stewart. Yeah. So at I'm the end th- of the movie, he's grinning well, from ear to ear. Bring for ear to ear, and you know he, it's um, beautiful. It makes you cry. Oh, yeah, he's oh, so yeah. happy, and he's realised that he's loved and he's content and fulfilled and all that stuff. And that's for that. Like, I'm, I'm wonderful again. I'm George Bailey at the end. Is oh. yeah. in this song. But I'm wonderful again. I'm George Bailey at the end. I'm somebody with you. When I realise what I could be, it's down to you and up to me. I'm nobody without you. A minute to the end, be a lover and a friend. I'm all of it. I mean, some people have picked up on the George Bailey line. Most people are like, who's George Bailey? So, yes, I'm afraid. Sorry, I'm in that camp. Oh, man, don't worry about it. But once you know, you know. It's all yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the stuff I, I confess, Paul, the stuff I really enjoy of yours tends to be the, the more old-fashioned stuff. Um, no, but that, cool. but that's, that's me, that's my age, that, that's me kind too. of my, my record collection. <laughs> no, um, me too. I prefer that stuff. There's a few songs that I maybe skip. <laughs> I'm like okay it's alright but I prefer like the old fashioned singer songwriter I very much like Crowded House as well yes and um, that song I did with Graham was kind of Crowded House influenced hmm. just vocal harmonies all the way through I just like very straightforward piano guitars bass drums bit of organ harmonies nice well, no absolutely well, that, that brings us on nicely perhaps to your very successful acoustic covers. I hope you don't mind. I wasn't aware of these until I looked into your discography, and then I started. I don't blame you. Nobody is. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, ah, but 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 millions of people are. These songs you've rec- recorded, and we'll perhaps go into some detail because I think your choice of these covers, in some cases, is really astute. Do, doing versions of songs that the songs are well known, but you managed to bring out. Um, 
different things in the songs. I'll talk about that in a minute, perhaps. But how did you? Well, how did you get the idea of doing these these covers, and how did you target the particular songs? Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took the long way. We knew we'd get there someday. They said, I bet they'll never make it. But just look at us holding on. We're still together, still going strong. Well, um, what it was, there's a guy um, I work with called Matt, and he had his, he had an idea a few years ago of coming up with playlists on um, streaming platforms. Right. And, and, he, and he did it, and I, I met him through an associate of ours, and I said, I want to release some songs. He said, well, why don't you put out some acoustic covers first, draw some attention to your... Um, to you as an artist and then put yeah. your own stuff out mm. yeah. and then really the covers kind of just became <laughs> like we put, started putting them out and I've put out a lot now and um, so the first one I did was All You Need Is Love I just did it as a piano and vocal harmony yeah. so that was it yeah. you know, keeping it sparse and we see that uh, framed picture behind you uh, atop the fireplace there Paul yes All You Need Is Love yes that's it it's uh that I just put that up yesterday, funnily enough. Oh, well, it was over go. there on the floor. I've not long moved in here, so I just okay. starting to put the place together. Syn- synchronicity, um, yeah. Synchronicity. I haven't done that one yet. Yeah, that's but, a bit trickier. That one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. And then I did um, to love somebody by the Bee Gees and that sort of thing. And I thought, well, that's that. I want to get my own stuff out. But they, I started getting plays, and he's like, "You're doing pretty well. Keep going." Yeah. So I just kept recording acoustic covers, and it became a bit addictive just sitting here because. All those songs that you, when you're learning to play an instrument, like you think, oh, I'd love to learn how to play oh, Wonderful Tonight. is a classic that people learn. Mm. Um, well, I might as well record it. And then uh, you can do your own take on it in your own version. And uh, it started picking up streams and you get more and more listeners and more and more plays. And then uh, in 2019, in December, I got... Um, I'm on the phone. Can... He's on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> 2019, I've got a uh, Pokemon Go advert. It was a global campaign for Pokemon Go. It was, um, and they had an ad that was on cinemas and TV all over the world. And they used, I, I covered "You're My Best Friend" by Queen. I love that, that version. Yeah, thanks. And and, and uh, they used it, and it, it it got loads of streams and oh. hits, and it also brings people to because there's now Shazam. You know, people listen to a song, they Shazam it, and go, "Who's this?" Mm-hmm. And it drives the traffic to you, and then you, you streams just build and build and build. Ooh, you make me live whenever this world is cruel to me. I got you to help me forgive. Ooh, you make me live now, honey. Ooh, you make me live. I recently had one. I did the winner takes it all acoustic cover of that, and they used it for a mini series in Germany called Faking Hitler. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. a story of these guys who faked interviews with Hitler, and it was a big TV series out of Germany, and they used that. I haven't seen it, but I'd like to see it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's, it gets picked up, and with things like that, um, they use you, my best friend in Canada, for uh, a guide dog uh, ad campaign, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, it's wonderful. I always wanted that, like a song in a film or a TV show. So, 
And yeah. it's not one of mine, but it's still great. And uh, so just picking the songs, are just songs I really like. A few of them were advised, they're like, why don't you try this one? But 99% of them are ones I, songs I just like. Mm-hmm. And if you ever get a song, especially if it's an upbeat one, she loves you. If you ever play that slow and finger-picked, it's a beautiful song, mm-hmm. especially yes. when you go through there. And she loves you to the minor chord there. It's really quite sweet it's yes. quite sad it's really nice yeah that's right Le- Lennon uh, toyed with the idea of, of actually doing some of those Beatlemania era songs slowed down later in his career you may, you may know that I, don't yeah, know. I didn't know that, um, that yeah. I mean Help was slow and yes. George, George Martin sped it up yeah. well, thank God because it's great but mm. You know, he wanted it to be slow and because when the, the lyrics are so down, it's like the yeah. man's in trouble, you know, he wants some help. Yeah. Well, talking about lyrics, I like uh, the very recent cover of Freedom by you and Kevin Sim. Right? Yeah. Um, which it sort of, I mean, obviously you heard that song a lot, but this is an example where it sounds obvious perhaps, but you can actually hear the lyric. I didn't realise that was such a self-aware lyric, I guess, George Michael's singing about his fans there, actually, isn't he? Moving off onto a different stage of his career. I, I just never heard those words before. So well, that's what Freedom was in the video, because the song's actually called Freedom 90, because yes. Freedom was the Wham song. Mm. I don't want your freedom. Oh, yes, of course. Right, that yeah. was the Wham song in, like, 84 or whenever it was. And then Freedom, this one, Freedom 90, the beginning of the video, it starts with him, like, I'm not right, that guy right. anymore, and the guitar blows up, I think, and his jacket burns and all this sort right. of stuff. And he's basically saying, I'm, I'm grown up and I'm moving away from being teeny pop mm-hmm. into this he did an album called listen without prejudice and yes. that was yes. was on that really good album right. actually yeah 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 and uh yeah he did that so uh, i thought that would be a good cover and kevin sim he's a really good singer so um he does the same sort of spotify acoustic covers and he's currently the singer of wet 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 uh, okay. oh okay yeah there so he uh he said and he won the voice as well oh uh, okay which he's like did nothing for me he says like yeah. it wasn't a big deal wow waste of wow. time but, sure, uh, yeah. sure. mentioning George Michael there I, I noticed on a, a not 100, 100% reliable wiki about Paul Canning today um, oh, it, yeah. it mentioned a publishing link with, with George Michael have, have you actually yeah, yeah. did so, you manage to place a, a song with him when I was in that band Tomcat in 2000 we had a publishing deal with a guy called Dick Leahy Dick Leahy was on the roof uh, at the uh, Apple gig, his wife wow. worked for Apple, and he's in the. I saw him in the film the other day for the first time. Wow! Uh, and uh, and he was a music publisher, and he published George Michael, Ian Brody from the Lightning Seeds, yeah. loads of others, and um, we got a publishing deal with him. And one evening, uh, he invited us up to his office on Star Street, which is just off the Edgware Road, I think. And uh, he invited Ian Brody up and George Michael. And wow. so we spent the evening with George Michael and we played him a few songs and he sat and he listened to them and he, and he sat there like this. So, like, really George Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Th- thumb on his forehead. Uh, yeah. yeah, just listening like that, going, hmm. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, that was cool. And then we got we had a manager and the same we, we got the same manager as George Michael, basically. So, um, yeah, we, we 
got to hang out with him for that evening, but no further than that. I, I remember sitting there, right? And I was sitting on the floor and he was sitting on a chair and everyone was sitting around chatting. And I thought, I haven't said anything for a while. Because <laughs> I'm like 22, right? So I'm just, I, I'm, yeah. and I really like George Michael. I'm like, bit like that <laughs> and uh i thought i haven't said anything i went george um have you got a favorite song that you've written and he went no so anyway that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he closing down the conversation like no, no, he wasn't rude like but he was like oh, okay no. and he just carried on <laughs> i just cast oh, that but he, he didn't actually he didn't actually end up uh, recording or performing any of your tunes no, no, no. He just sat there and listened and said, yeah, do this, do that. And we had a chat for a few hours and oh, well. in our separate ways. But he was very nice. Close enough. Very- Sean, do you know there's a Dick Leahy uh, connection with 10CC on Paul? I don't know whether you know this. Yeah, he's the, his, his, it, name, his name is incredibly it, yeah, uh, familiar. He, well, he may, there may be other things, but the one I remember, he's the guy who kind of heard Neanderthal Man and decided to, ah, to yes. publish that. And maybe other maybe other songs. Is that is that what Graham told you, Paul? That's what Graham told me. He said, um, "Yeah, I mentioned Dick Leahy to him, and he said, oh, he told uh, Kev, Lowe and Eric to release Neanderthal Man.' And I think yeah, it or something. So he, yeah, he knew who he was. Um, obviously, obviously, had good ears, yeah, yeah. or yeah. has good ears if he's if he's still with he's us. He's passed right? away now, Dick Leahy. Oh, okay, passed right. away last year, maybe or the year before. Oh, okay, but yeah, he was." Uh, it was, yeah, it was a good time at that time. You know, so young, you know, as a kid and just getting a record deal with Virgin and hanging out with these people. It was like, wow. Yeah. I thought we made it. And it really it was the beginning of the end because once a record company got involved, it kind of went, <laughs> fell apart a bit. Uh, there's a pattern there, isn't there? So, uh, uh, you know, you talked earlier about just doing what you want to do and maybe it's lucky that the industry has changed and you know, artists like yourself and others do have to be more self-sufficient and just kind of drive it forward yourself. I yeah, I mean, yeah. you can record. I remember when artists started recording at home um, and you'd be like, oh, this guy recorded this song in his bedroom. I was, wow. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> and, but now it's like everybody does it. I've, I record all my stuff. Edge of the Bed Studios is the name of my studio. And it's just yeah. like, you know, it's just all at home and you can send. I recorded that song with Graham and we weren't in the same room. Yeah. You know, I yes. sent him the stuff. He sent everything back. You know, was, you can do that now. And uh, the world's a better place for it. But um, everybody's sort of moaning about streaming platforms and all that stuff and the money you get from it. But ultimately, if you got paid a pound every time a song was played, you'd just sit at home and play your own stuff all day, wouldn't you? Yeah. Buy a big house. Look at look at your version of, of You're Still the One, Paul, which, which yeah. tops your Spotify streams. Yeah. Eight million. Yeah, yeah, I know. Unbelievable. And really, without sounding too flippant, I really <laughs> knocked that out in an hour. Like yes. I, without trying to sound like oh yeah, so, yeah, it, I, yeah. I, I thought oh that's a nice song I do that and it's quite simple to play and I just sang it quite and it, it was it yeah and it, it's yeah. just done very well and I I I guess it's it's the song choice because it's it's a good song and it's people and it's relatable you know yeah the the other one I really like um, while we're in your Top, I think these are all in your top five. Hmm. More than words, which of course was a hit for Extreme, and of course started out as an, an acoustic version. But I noticed two things: one, you add some three-part or maybe more in there, and I think theirs was just two. And their version, though it was good, it had a bit of the kind of hard rock still baked into it. I mean, yeah. they're obviously they're a great band, great singers, but it still ha- had that kind of hard rock 
attitude or something. Well, it's voice, Gary Sharon. That's his voice. Right. The voices aren't as friendly. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. yours no, is... No, like, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I, I love to... Like, with Guns N' Roses, Extreme were my favourite. That right, album, right. The, the album. And more than... My brother hates more than words because I sat at home <laughs> going, doo, doo, trying to learn it. For, it's like the first song I learned on the guitar. Right. Oh, right. okay. All right. That's so, awesome. um, and then I went and saw them in 92 at Wembley Arena Extreme and Brian May came on and they did a couple of songs with him. It was oh. great. I was like, so I, let, I thought I'd do more than words as a, and it's one of those songs that people go, oh, I love this one. I've completely forgotten about it. Mm. Yes, exactly. You know, it's, exactly. It's one of those ones. Um, Crowded House are guilty of a lot of those songs as well. Saying I love you It's not the words I So yeah, I just recorded it, put a bit of piano, and Extreme had a version they did as a B-side where they did it a cappella. Mm. So they added some three-part harmonies. Oh, it's probably okay. out there somewhere on YouTube. Yeah, and right. uh, I just took some of that and put it in because it, it thickened it up a bit and made it a bit sweeter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a nice song. My brother hates it. Well, <laughs> well luckily, luckily, he's in the minority. Yeah, it's only because of me playing it all the time. Yeah. Being like, can you stop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More than words to show you feel that your love for me is nice real. collection of guitars there that were obscured oh. when you sat down again. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got that. Just uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, five of them, and there's one down here on the floor as well. So oh, very nice. All the ones yeah. I used to have um, all the Beatles shows I used to do, like the Epiphones and all that sort of stuff. Right. What, yeah. Did you? You didn't have to take your own guitars, or did you have to take your own guitars to the show? Not when we did um, "Let It Be." They had all of them. It was great. Yeah. But um, when you did, I've done various other things, projects after it, like spin-off stuff, and uh, right, right. You had to bring your own right. or get your own. But I actually really enjoyed playing them when we was doing the show. So I just got one. You know. So it was, yeah. I was always yeah. a strap man before that, but I prefer them. I <laughs> Talk to you and make you understand. All you have to do is close your eyes and just reach out your hand. Paul, can we can we talk about your new album? Uh, yeah, the last one I released. Y y yes, yeah. um, gasoline rainbow mile. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, and I think it's my favourite. <laughs> Of oh, cool. of the the four records, and uh, am I right in thinking you've got the outside looking in two thousand and eighteen, mm -hmm. Jiggery yeah. Pokery uh, twenty nineteen, Bandwagon the year after. Um, I mean, you really do bang these albums out on, yeah. a, on a regular basis. Last year, uh, out comes this one, and it's the usual kind of extremely eclectic uh, collection. I'd be grateful if you could take us through some of the the key tunes in your sure. mind and we'll, we'll certainly throw in our own opinions on on some Absolutely. of these tunes because no, it is a, a really really enjoyable collection of oh, songs thanks, man. No, thank you it's uh i'm pleased with it again joe did a wonderful job let your life get out of control didn't you know didn't you know you got 
The first song on the album is called uh, Let Your River Take You Anywhere. Mm. And uh, basically saying, go with your gut. Take, let your, you know, your soul will guide you through life. It'll all figure it out. Just be guided by that. It's quite hippie, George Harrison <laughs> kind of thought. Uh, the, 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 I wrote the riff to it. The is that the piano riff that, that voc the vocal kind of follows it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That I wrote that on the guitar with like a pedaled A note going underneath it. Dum, dum. Okay, okay. And the idea was kind of like a baby, you're a rich man sort of vibe going on. Uh, yeah. That's where that idea came from. But then I went on to the piano and did it on there, and yeah, it just took off from there. That so that I was pleased with that one. It, is that uh, is that in any way influenced by Jellyfish? Are there a band that I really am very very fond uh, yeah, of? I, no, because I haven't really listened to much, or if any, I've actually listened to two Jellyfish songs recently. That's it. Right. So it wasn't no, but well, inadvertently, I certainly didn't intend it to be. But um, no, it was just kind of. Baby, you're a rich man, and then went <laughs> off this way. That's yes, how it's. Yes. Right. That were the seeds of it. The second song is called Rocket, and that's um, yeah, Nick Kendall, who um, fills in for Rick on 10CC. When Rick can't do it, Nick comes in. Have you ever seen Nick or met him? No. He's a love, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and a, a fantastic guitarist, honest to God. He's, mm. He does all Rick's parts verbatim. He's just great. Love his He'll be on the current tour then, will he? Because is Rick still stuck in um, Australia at the moment? Um, I don't know. They're they're out in the Caribbean at the moment. Ten CC are okay. Doing some. Oh, they're on a they're on a boat, I think, aren't they? At the moment, yeah, they're doing like a rock and something cruise. Yeah, it's called Rock and oh, Romance okay. Cruise. And uh, I don't know if Rick's on that actually. Uh, if he is, then uh, he, he was. He didn't do the last tour they did out in Amsterdam, in Holland and Belgium and all that because he couldn't get out of Australia. But this one, I think he will be able to come over. And yes, do. I think they've relaxed the, uh, oh, the right. they've relaxed great. the restrictions now. Yeah, good. and it, I know he's chomping at the bit as yes. well. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I, yeah. I, I really like this tune, uh, Paul. It's um, it's one of the ones I was I was talking about earlier that are gloriously old fashioned. Mm. There are I can hear elements of of the kind of songwriting that that. Graham and Andrew Gold uh, made yeah, their, made it, their name for. Yeah, it had that. It had uh, Steely Dan influences in there mm. somewhere. I remember I was thinking of them for some reason. Might be the passing chords in the chorus, and the guitar solo. I wanted a lot of guitar work, so Nick did that for me. He he did a great job. Really nice guitar stuff on there. Um, probably my favourite song on the album is um, "Will Cry a Little," and it's I think it's track nine or ten yeah yeah uh, i wrote that on the piano um with uh 
loads of vocal harmonies in it. Ian Hornell sings one of the parts in it. I've got my okay. friend, um, our friend John, to sing on it. And it, yeah, I was really pleased with that because that one was about um, the kind of it's okay not to be okay take on mm. life. Uh, you yeah. talk about it if you're feeling that way. Uh, you know, it's okay to cry a little. Yeah, talk about it. It's all right. I'll listen. I'm here for you. That yeah. sort of thing. So, um, and I was just pleased with the mel- all of it. It just, I was really pleased with that one. No, it's, um, a, it's a gorgeous track. It's, it's definitely my favourite on the album. Let it Six mile fashioned uh, yeah, sure, yeah, b- yeah. buttons, um, and and the sort of you know those kind of the, the classic seventies singer songwriter kind of vibe. Yeah, um, it's, it's got that in it, and the Beach Boys rhythm to it. Exactly, and the the, the ending, the fade, is lovely too. It and it's uh, it, it's kind of a cousin to Seeds of Love, Tears for Fears. It's yeah. re- it rooted in the sixties somehow. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that definitely um, musical thing going on. Um, but I just initially I didn't want drums in it. I wanted it just to be sort of pots and pans and Cecilia kind of vibe, just yes. banging on a bass drum or whatever. But um, Paul Stewart put drums in it and went, "It's better." I went, "Yeah." Fair enough. Is that you playing the lovely delicate piano part? Yes, that's my lovely delicate piano. <laughs> <laughs> you must have taken your boxing gloves off at that point. I did, yeah. Oh, I just replaced good. them with um, some sort of normal gloves, but sounded yeah. <laughs> a little better. But it's beautiful. But get, no, well, there's a lovely. It sounds like what that is. That's an old piano plug-in you can get called Mrs. Mills piano, mm. and that is the piano from Abbey Road. Wow. Oh, the upright they keep yeah. in the corner. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that's the, uh, Kieran Jeremiah, who was in the feeling and played on Graham's tour. Yeah, uh, yes. he played on that piano. He said it was really loud. He said it's really loud to play on. But that's the oh. piano they did. You know, all these, all the Beatles songs on, and all that sort of stuff. So Penny Lane would have been on that. And yeah. so they, they've they've got a, a sample of that you can have now in Logic. Mm. And when you play it, it just—it sounds like that old-fashioned. It's great. I love it. I don't <laughs> use it too much, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I, I, I really like that sound. There are quite uh, some really rollicking rockier tunes on the record aren't, aren't mm. there Paul um, you, you spoke earlier about your uh, your love of, of bands like Guns N' Roses and Extreme and so on Yeah. what what do you think is coming out of the rockier tunes on, on the new record um, well there's one called Don't You Ever Come Back Again and that's kind of a Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting I was just going to say 100%, I've just, re- 100%. I've just written Elton Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, written, I've written Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting oh you've got Okay. And I've, got I've, got some, I've got a meatloaf with a question mark there as well. No, well, no, sadly not meatloaf. <laughs> no, no. Rest that, that's a shopping but, list, Sean. You haven't gone down Aldi yeah. yet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> got meatloaf, yeah. In the fade of that one, Paul, there's this great ambient guitar thing. 
Yeah, that was Joe did that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he put that in. Um, to be honest, I didn't really have much to do with that. He just added it on the end. I was like, I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really nice. And uh, yeah, he put that in. Uh, it's, I mean, it's quite beatly again, isn't it? It's like an afterthought bit at the end or what have you. you can interpret it however you like. I yeah. just heard it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. There was another song on there that was, what was the other one? It's called Second Hand. Uh, that one, uh, I, I was listening to the Nylon Curtain, Billy Joel's album. Oh, yes. And My favourite record it is. Yeah, there you go. And it's that kind of, it's not out and out that, but it's it was my take on it. I was talking right. to Joe and we were talking about the Nylon Curtain. And I listened to it I went, and then wrote Second Hand. Just, uh, it's quite... Um, there's another Billy Joel song. Da, 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 da. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, it's right. definitely Billy Joel influence. I really like the title track, actually. Oh, Gasoline uh, Rainbow Mark. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's my favourite. Oh, thanks. Well, it's just a place I made up. I, I wrote a poem when I was in my teens. Just I was, was sitting somewhere and wrote a poem called Gasoline Rainbows, and that's mm. you know what a gasoline rainbow is. It's when you, you see get, it in the puddle, oil. In you the get puddle. a puddle when you get the oil yeah. on top, and it's the, the yes. rainbow the, that. And I just added mile. I so said made it a place. Like, could be yeah, Gasoline right, Rainbow right. Park or whatever, but added a mile and just made it a place where this couple were and broke up and, you know, come back and see me if ever you're around. It's that sort of mm. kind of almost like a country and western, my girl lives. <laughs> oh, it's definitely got that feel to it. It's it's rootsy. Sounds like an American hit to me, Paul. Oh, well, I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd own this instead of be renting it. But um, it's... <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's uh, Definitely, I do like Americana, Rootsy, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Eagles, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so, and there is there are a few artists that I don't even know their names, but I just hear them on Spotify or, or hear them on a TV show and Shazam it and go, I really like that song. Um, Paul Stewart actually got me into um, the Jayhawks. Oh yes, oh one of yeah. my, my one of my wife's favourites actually. Yeah, I think really good. They got a song called Save It for a Rainy Day and yeah, really yeah. nice stuff. And very yeah. sort of early nineties Americana. Yes, it's really good. Good. Mm. Uh, yeah, they good. Yeah, yeah, your wife's them. got good taste. Oh well, I'll tell Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen them a couple of times actually. Um, do you play? Do you play harmonica then on on the Gasoline Rainbow? Oh uh, yeah, Is that you. Yeah, I've I, well, I played it for the Beatles stuff um, before, like John Lennon, and um, my grandfather was a musician in the fifties. Right. Okay. And he was in an act called the Morton Fraser Harmonica Gang. Ladies and gentlemen, five harmonicas, four and a half musicians, 
Who else could it be but the Morton Fraser Harmonica Gang? They were on TV and stuff and did the Palladium and they were quite well known. And they had a guy, he was a dwarf uh, and uh, he used to sort of, they would all be standing around going, dunk, 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 dunk. and my yeah. grandfather played the accordion and they would sort of kick him and it would be a comedy thing and he'd be trying to get in the circle and they'd be on TV. And Paul McCartney mentioned them. Yeah. In uh, it was a program about Sergeant Peppers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and they were talking about being for the benefit of Mr. Kite and using the bass harmonica yeah. and he's like rum, 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 all that stuff and he said we always loved Morton Fraser harmonica gang so you think <laughs> I would come on stage you know? and so I was like that's my grandfather's band so yeah. I put harmonica in the song sometimes as kind of a little, a little tribute to your granddad and I like the harmonica anyway it's a nice sound played well you know not like Alanis Morissette harmonica I mean if someone plays it nicely, it's like Larry Adler. It's beautiful. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh. I can never stand Dylan's harmonica playing. I knew you were going to say that. And, uh, Dylan is Dylan. I mean, he can do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, but not in my, not on my watch. Oh. It was horses for courses, wasn't exactly, it? it kind of, exactly. It suited that. But if you put him, you know, in another song, it would sound awful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the good thing... The good thing about Dylan playing the harmonica was that you always knew the song was going to end if you wanted it to end because he'd always play it in the last verse, wouldn't he? Yeah, and then I'm going to finish <laughs> with the harmonica solo. Yeah. Screw I... you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, I, I'm, I'm corrected on my <clears throat> Dylan phobia so, so often. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, almost on a weekly basis, someone will, will tell me what a Philistine I am. Um, oh, all right. My girlfriend hates Dylan. Yeah. So. You know, it's, it's an acquired taste. Yeah, isn't that one of the wonderful things about music, though? The fact that um, it's oh, yeah. just so subjective. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, I can see why people don't like it. I like it. I really like the Freewheeling. I thought it was a good album. But, yeah. And it's got and his lyrics are great sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, there's got he's got a song called Don't Think Twice, and it's about breaking up, and it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you don't like listening to his voice, like some people hate listening to Guns N' Roses because they can't stand out to Rose's voice. Yeah. Fair enough. I get that. But, um, you know, some people don't like listening to... When people don't say they don't like the Beatles, I, I have trust issues. <laughs> I'm like, you must like at least one song. Well, they might be making or creating a stance i suppose there'll always be somebody who who, who for whatever reason think the ub ubiquitous nature of the beat yeah you somebody making yeah uh, it's like uh, my wife sally hates the the godly and cream stuff but loves right. the kind of sugary 80s eric stewart stuff you know okay, oh, okay. each each to their own each to their own each to their own absolutely you know some of the sparkly 80s stuff i'm yeah i believe yeah. not just eric like anything like foreigner or whatever you know i'm like, <laughs> yes. it's all right it's just it, shiny in it but yeah. um the 80s was actually a very underrated decade for music. i agree well i was just going to say that almost comes back to your covers in that there's a lot of um brilliant 80s songs that have been kind of covered over with 
Tupperware or cling film production values, which and then the songs can come out again when you hear them. Yeah, if you strip it all back and you just yeah. hear how maybe the song was written or exactly. hear it in its infancy with just a guitar or a piano and a voice, mm. they can be really lovely, like really nice songs. Agreed. I was going to say, um, my controversial opinion is that the 70s was a better decade for music than the 60s, mm. but that's only because of the 60s. Like, because yes. what everybody took, obviously the 60s were innovative and we all know what they did. But when we moved into the 70s, you had so many iconic, great artists. Mm. Queen, Bowie, Elton John, Billy Joel, Wings, John Lennon, 10CC. 10CC, don't we? We'll edit it so you put them first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Eagles, yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Uh, then you had uh, Disco and all that movement. There were more bigger names, I think, in the 70s than there were in the 60s. Now, there are a lot of people going, oh, no, that's wrong. But that's just what I think. No, you're right. And and the, the songwriting was so sophisticated as well. Paul and I are both massive prog rock fans, the, the, the really yeah. good stuff, you know, the proper songwriting stuff. You know, the likes of Genesis and Floyd and, and, yeah, yeah. and, and Yes for me as well. Uh, the sophistication in the 70s was, was through the roof. And so oh, I, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And you had to be, I mean, you had to be good. Like in the 80s, like as a musician, you had to be on it. Yes. Like really good. Nowadays, not so much. There's always ways around it and stuff. And But then, you know, you had to, I mean, you had to be good in the 60s, of course, and yeah. before that. But in the 70s, because it was all so moving up and people were really branching out into different kinds of styles and songwriting all these story songs and ones like band on the run that move over here and you know yeah. so you had to be on it and when we play them and cover them we're all like oh that's cool but imagine doing it for the first time <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, like, that's it. or bohemian rhapsody when that was written or one night in paris whatever you know it's yeah it's um i think uh li- listeners ears were open as well people were receptive Yes. to more challenging music for whatever reason they just were whereas it's kind of shrunk it's shrunk down a bit now it's well, just sad. the way it went wasn't it because i guess in the 60s it was kind of all new and like wow this is there's this now and this and now it just it all progressed onto like let's just make it even weirder <laughs> or mm-hmm. try and do it better yeah and and that's you should definitely get ian on here by the way he because he played bass for yes so did he oh wow okay yeah. Bloody oh, hell! Um, yeah, they they are shoes to fill. Yeah, I know. That's why he's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely Ian's. You know, near the top of our of our hit list. Paul, yeah, and, he's, and he's our great. hit list is long. Yeah, sure. Yes, um, but no, he's a, yeah. He talked till the cows come home about all that sort of stuff. Oh, wonderful! Okay. We'll have to do yeah, right. do a bit of Chris Squire with Ian Hornell. Yeah, all this all this kind of nostalgic talk about the the sixties and seventies. Uh, it makes me think of the the lovely final track. I think it is on on the album. Paul, is it Jill oh. Jill Orange Peel or Gil or Gil <laughs> Jill Jill Orange Jill 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 Orange Peel? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I love it. It's like it's recorded on the same street as Obladi Oblada, and was, with with the brass band. And I and it, I I think yeah. it's it it, it seems oh. to be deliberately nostalgic. It is. It's. It's. Um, 
Firstly, he's called Jill Jill Orange Peel. We went to college with a girl called Jill in 1995, and she said to me after Bandwagon, "Can you write a song about me?" And I went, <laughs> "Okay." So I wrote that bit of music and called it Jill Jill because we called she called me Paul Paul Tennis Ball, and I called her <laughs> Jill Jill Orange Peel, and that was just a stupid thing. So that's her th- song, and um, the thought behind it was, you know, you used to get like sitcoms in the 70s and 80s, and they would finish and the, the credits would be rolling, and you'd have. Yes. Yeah. Because it starts with a round of applause and it would have to or whatever playing as the credits were rolling. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just was that, that sort of like, and if you listen to that song, it could be a theme tune to a sitcom or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. yeah. So it definitely came from that and probably again, Wings inspired or that sort of thing. Yeah. I hear the chord sequence to, well, many songs, but the one it reminds me of is Storm in a Teacup. Do you know that one by Lindsay DePaul? I don't know that one. I, I don't know. know oh, that. okay. It's sort of major, major seven, seven. Is that right? I'm, I'm hearing that. All those major seven chords, and you're going to be surprised by this probably. I'm, my my favourite film is Rocky, okay? Right. Uh-huh. And the, the soundtrack to it is by a guy called Bill Conti. And the soundtrack is phenomenal if ever you listen to it. And there's a lot of major seven stuff going on in there. Right. Dun, dun, dun. It's really good stuff. And uh, I think it came from that. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. Do you use that trick as well on your previous album, Paul? World's Greatest Piece of Work. There's, there's yeah. some lovely kind of descending major seventh, seventh, sixty kind of chords, yeah. I think. Yeah, again, I didn't know what I was doing. I, yes. just, that was, I wrote that one a few years before I recorded it. So it was very pigeon piano and just... <laughs> it works a treat though yeah it just sounded nice so I just thought that sounds nice (laughs) keep it (laughs) Uh, well I'm going to be selling it as I'll probably mention on the UK tour I tend to do that a lot when we do the UK tour Mm. I come out so I've got a CD for sale um, so I'm going to sell it in the foyer there, and um, and you can get them on all the usual suspect streaming platforms. Um, but I find that the 10CC audience likes to have a hard copy or something. Yes. Um, which is, you know, because it's just that generation mainly, and uh, all power to it, really. I like that. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I'm hoping to release, um, when we did the uh, Half Full of Songs tour, I recorded one of the gigs at the Union Chapel in London, which is a beautiful church oh, yes. venue. Mm-hmm. And I recorded it. So I'm going to release that as a live uh, thing online oh, at fantastic. some point this year. But, yeah, it's uh, it's great. And uh, I'm really looking forward to supporting them again. Just seeing them again and hanging out with them, because I haven't seen them for years, really, mm-hmm. apart from Graham. And uh, just it would just be great. It's there's so many wonderful memories I had. Every time I hear um, that, you know, the opening video they have, when, when yeah, yeah with, with son, Ke- son of Man, the son Kevin of Man, did. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, every time I hear that, I just jump back to standing in the wings, Graham standing in front of me, I'm here, Paul Burgess is standing behind me, and we're waiting to walk out. Yeah, and it's just the best feeling of walking out. And then, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right, and you're in. And then you, the, it's, the Wall Street Shuffle was such a nice loosener to play first. It was, you, know, you yeah. don't do a lot of playing in it, and it was a nice song to sing. And 
Yeah, it's just really good fun, and I'll, I'll treasure it forever. It was wonderful, Aww. and and all these I've got these great memories. I remember I was talking to Graham. Um, we were in Hastings or around there somewhere, and in a theatre, and they said, um, he said, you want to support on the next tour next year? I said, yeah, I'd love to. I said I was looking at the venues, Graham, and there's the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> I went. He went. Yeah. I went, oh, I've, I've, I've never played. I've never been there. He went, well, it's about time you did then, isn't it? Wow. And I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> then I kissed him. No. <laughs> and then, that, yeah. So, yeah, he's just, he was, there's such a lovely, but he just likes hanging around and being in a band and touring. And yes. He likes it. He loves it. He loves the whole experience of it. That's why he does it. He doesn't yeah, have to do it. Yeah, he's, he's told us that he, he just would play in whatever capacity for down down the pub or whatever in yeah. a blues band or whatever it would be because he has, forever has to play. And Paul yeah. Paul Burgess is the same, isn't he? He just loves playing. Paul Burgess is the same. He he loves he loves it. <laughs> There's a few funny moments you get with Paul. He's sort of mm-hmm. huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Um, one of the best things he ever did, he'd probably kill me for telling this, but we were doing, um, <laughs> we would finish on Mandy Fly Me and I'd walk over to the middle and to sing I'm Not In Love. And I'm Not In Love, Paul plays The Shaker. And I had a bottle of water on this little thing and he picked up the water and the lid wasn't on properly. He just went, oh. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit, put it down. I'd giggle in, you know. <laughs> he's, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, we, um, we we love talking to him and he was he's got such a... A fabulous dry sense of humour. Oh yeah, yeah. man. He's, he's very. He's, he, well, I can't repeat the emails he sends me, and right. <laughs> very funny. But yeah, he loves it, Paul. He's always uh, good company, and just he's just always like this, right? <laughs> so chilled out. Yeah. And just yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely. Could not speak highly enough of all of them. Really nice. I mean, Sean, you're going to a gig, aren't you? Or is that later in the year? I'm, I'm yeah. going to the uh, I'm going to the Bridgewater Hall on March of 28th, I think it is. So I'll, I'll come and say hello to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I'm, I'm in Leicester later on in the year. Uh, that mm. that one was moved on from, you know, it's been ca- cancelled and rebooked a couple of times. Is that the Montford Hall? Yes. And yeah. I've not been there since I saw Judy Zook in 80, <laughs> 81 or something. Like yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I supported them there last time. That's a, yeah, it's a nice venue. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so, if I'm going to remember correctly. So we'll, def- uh, we'll definitely come in and, and say hello, Paul. When yeah, we're, when yeah, make we're sure out. you do. It's yeah. a shame you're not going to be together. That's- we do occasionally go out separately, don't we, Paul? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're not joined at the hip, well not physically anyway, so I'm, I'm glad to say. Cause that would be- <laughs> yeah. uh, enjoy 10CC, um, I've been Paul Canning, you can't even fathom how special this has been for me. Enjoy 10CC and uh, I'll see you out there, thank you very much. Woo! If you've ever been in love before, if you've ever seen it in, one thing that I've come to know is you can't help who you fall in love with it, baby. It's you until the end. Oh, you listen to my hopes and fears and love me for 100 years. And I know it's a long, long way. Paul, it's been, it's been a real pleasure today. Oh, um, no, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good. really nice talking to you properly. Thanks. Yeah, good. Thank you. And uh, okay. it's been nice chewing the fat. 
on um, on shared love of um, you know we share an awful lot of influences, don't we, between us? Yeah, and that's why we get on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But uh, yeah. really good luck with the with the album. I can't recommend it highly enough, folks. Oh, thank you. It, it's Jeez, uh, man. yeah, it, it's a it's a proper eclectic collection of really just fun stuff. There's a joy and love of music here. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, there is. So, yeah, I, yeah. That's, I'm glad that came across. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And uh, can't wait to see you on stage again um, yeah. later I'll, in the well, year. Well, I'll, I'll see Paul in Manchester and then maybe you in Leicester. I don't know. Wonderful. OK, well, fingers crossed, Paul, and uh, take care. Cheers, mate. See yeah, ya. all the best, Paul. Take care, mate. Thank you, mate. Just decided I should go away for you and always know that I'm happy. i got to share and I could listen to your hopes and fears And love you for a hundred years And I know it a long, long way to go Yeah, I know it a long, long way to go Yeah, I know it a long, long way to go Thank you very much. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening